You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends, and welcome to the 27th chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Nia. I'm Annie. I'm Sydney. The world is full of interesting people, the real-life heroes and villains that move and shake the world around us. Perhaps we want to draw inspiration from them or learn with morbid fascination what makes a vile human being tick. It's a very human thing to want to know why. Just ask any small kid exploring the world. And the why of us is something humans will always be driven to know. In some way, the why of others is what helps us discover the why of us. This week, we're bringing some of our favorite biographies or autobiographies out of our stacks. And we're very excited to talk about some fascinating people. So Annie, what's in your stack today? I wish I had chosen some vile interesting people (laughs) we hate to want to know more about and i have in previous episodes thought about my friend Dahmer, and i've talked about some pretty horrible horrible things but today i did not and i also thought i just talked about some really good autobiographies i know we and i was really mad about that (laughs) i was really mad that i just talked about the woman fencer and the woman first lady, but it's okay because, you know, a lot of great people have lived and told their stories or have had other people tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So I chose some other ones. I'm not going to regale you again with the same, the same people. So the first one time. I chose is Lincoln, a pictobiography. This was published in 1987 and it's by Russell Friedman. And I understand that a lot of information has been coming out about Lincoln since 1987, but it's still a really good biography. It's 160 pages, and it starts from his childhood, goes through his presidency, all the way to his death. And I'm going to show you two what it looks like in comparison to a regular book. Because this book looks more like a textbook in size than it does just, you know, a regular book. Oh, yeah, it does. It's a little bit taller. Uh, It's more square shaped than it is the tall rectangle that we're used to. And I think that's done so that it's easier to read and so that the pictures are easier to read and to see. Because included are quite a few letters and pictures that were taken around that time. And by having the bigger pages, it's easier to see the actual text and handwriting on the letters nice so this is a children's book technically it won the newbury medal in 1988 and it has since been selected as a common core text exemplar for grades two and three in the read aloud informational text i am not a common core state i am but i feel like that's a big deal i have no idea if we are (laughs) um Are you looking? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was it was written in 1987 and is now still selected. I mean, in it's classrooms not... across the country to be used which as a... mentor texts, which is cool. I it's it's not like it's like the gold star standard. No, to, but sure. it's definitely it's definitely something where it gets seen. Forty five right. states in our union are quote-unquote common core utah is common core but we don't call it common core we call it utah yes. core because otherwise parents think that obama right. is you know trying to that was a whole thing. mind scan their brains yeah oh boy 
um it was a whole that's thing. a that's Sorry, a whole other podcast mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so, so anyway I, this book was selected for that it still it still allows <laughs> okay. for it to be seen by right. so many like it gets right. it gets a lot of page time yeah okay. and something that i liked about the book besides you know all the information that's provided in there because of the time period it was written in uh there's still information underneath the picture to give the picture context uh, in a lot of books that I see now they don't always give the context it's just here's a picture and there's no words underneath to explain it this one mm-hmm. still does which is nice which is fascinating then, because usually you're supposed to especially with accessibility stuff on screens have the description I know it's weird it is weird okay literacy has developed in weird ways <laughs> I wish I could explain publishing and literacy and advertising but I can't yeah another thing i like about this book is that it's got two sections in the back it has titled a lincoln sampler and in lincoln's footsteps so a lincoln sampler has let's say about 30 to 35 quotes from famous lincoln writings okay that second grade third grade fourth grade fifth grade could read and apply to their own lives it's very you know it's the nugget of what he said it's the part that you can apply to your life and use every day nice and i like that those are pulled out for the kids pulled out to see and then in lincoln's footsteps is a couple of pages talking about the memorials monuments and museums that are dedicated to lincoln the historic sites that are listed here play an important part in Lincoln's life, career, and death. So it's got okay. Lincoln Home National Historic Site, Lincoln's Boyhood Home, Lincoln's Tomb State Historic Site, Gettysburg National Military Park. So it's a list of where you can go see these places. Mm-hmm. And it has the hours of operation. It has the address. So if you ever wanted to go visit one of these places, you can take this book and it says at the beginning, it says hours and days are subject to change because, you know, 1987 so. hours are different than 2023 hours. But I think that's good information to give to kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's more than just a biography. It's also Here's how can you be more like is. Lincoln and where can you go see things about Lincoln? Mm-hmm. So, oh, and it also has a page, more books about Lincoln. I forgot about that to further the learning about Lincoln. It doesn't just stop here. You can read some more. So I think it's, it was very deserving of the Newbery Medal. And I think it's a good, not introduction to Lincoln, but continuation before you get to the thicker adult biographies of Lincoln. It's like a bridge book. It is. It's a good bridge book. Yes. Okay. Okay. And the writing is very accessible to kids too. The words aren't too big. There's rhetorical questions in here. It's written very well. So a kid could really understand it. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Lincoln. A pictobiography. The second one I chose about is about Will Smith. And it's so pretty. It's a really lovely cover. Ooh, I love that cover. It's very graphic. The front has yellows and blues and greens kind of running down the page. And then the back has i'm just gonna say it the fresh prince of bel-air style graffiti yeah it's very cool 
So this one was published in 2021. I'm only on chapter two because life happened, but it's been very good so far. And it's gotten a lot of good reviews online. And if what I've read so far I like, I'm going to keep going. And hopefully other people will pick it up. From Goodreads, it says that Will is one of the most dynamic and globally recognized entertainment forces of our time. And he opens up fully about his life in a brave and inspiring book that traces his learning curve to a place where outer success, inner happiness, and human connection are aligned along the way. Will tells a story in full of one of the most amazing rides to the worlds of music and film that anyone has ever had. Will Smith's transformation from a West Philadelphia kid to one of the biggest rap stars of his era, and then one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood history, is an epic tale, but it's only half the story. So I'm reading this book as someone that knows Will Smith more as a movie and TV personality than a rapper. Right. See, I forgot he he was a music artist. Yeah, I kind of forget that you know, too. I we were real young that, when so. he, he was a music yeah. artist, though. Like his MIB I, rap yeah. that was part of his when he was in MIB. I was in sixth yeah. grade when that came out, and I remember that being like the song of the year. I don't remember that, yeah, but I mean, Wild, Wild West song too. So oh, barely yeah. remember yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But like those are dabbling into his world of music. But mm-hmm. we were not his target audience at the time. Mm-mm. We were too young. My so first... I don't think we should feel bad about no. not. No. Okay. No. <laughs> my, first... I think it's just... yeah, my first memories, if you will, of Will Smith would have been Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I was still too yeah, young yeah, for yeah. that. But I remember that was kind of when we went from, I guess he was a rapper and Jazzy Jeff is a character, but also kind of apparently a rapper also. But he's also like, I remember that transition. Yeah. But really, I know him as a movie star. Mm -hmm. But the book talks, I mean, it starts from his childhood and goes all up until, you know, recent years. And the first event that is talked about in the book is a scene of domestic abuse between his mom and his dad. Oh, oof. yeah. And it's it was intense for him. Oh, I should say that he co-wrote this book. Okay. Uh, just so we all know, it was written by him and Mark Manson, who is a published author. So the first scene is a scene of his father hitting his mother and Will Smith not standing up to it. Because he's a child. Because he's a child. But as the oldest son in the house and their first biological child, that really shaped him. Mm, I, and I that continues that. through the book that he was the coward. His younger brother learned the defense mechanisms to stand up to their dad i can't remember what his little sister did but he became the coward that didn't stop that event and he admitted at the start of the book that horrible i know and he admitted that he could have started the book with fresh prince of bel-air because that's how we all know him Mm -hmm. but that's not his life yeah and that's what biographies do is they show the life yeah And this book does a really, really good job of really airing things out that most people don't know. Yeah. I don't know Will Smith to be someone that's in the tabloids all the time. From my perspective, he seems to be a very, not secretive, but what's the word I'm looking for? Private. Private. Yeah, thank you. He seems to be more of a private person. And so reading about domestic abuse, 
which is on always the first a page, subject. which is always touchy mm-hmm. was a lot it was a lot yeah and then from there he goes into talking about a brick wall with his brother and how he learned from his father that the one brick is all that matters not the whole thing and how the wall seems impossible but placing that one brick does not so this book is full of these little vignettes mm-hmm. that he then combines to say this vignette this story is why i do this this story is why i do this this story is why i am this way mm. which is really relatable because i think that's how yeah. most people are yeah you know? it's relatable and it's easy to read because i'm constantly being reminded of that's right i'm reading about will smith this person that i know as an actor yeah mm-hmm. and he just but- always brings it back to what i know which is super nice and it's good that it's easy to read because that's not a small book that you held up. No, it's not. It is. Speaking of bricks. Right. <laughs> Speaking of books that broke book club. <laughs> I'm real fast, guys. So it is 412 pages. Okay. But then uh, each. Here's a good example. So I'm going to pull, pull it up in front of you guys. And the bold letters are a new vignette. So there's a new one mm. here. There's a new oh, one at the okay. top of this page. So, so they're this, short. They're super short. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're super short. And that's kind of nice because, I mean, you could argue that this is not a fluffy book, but it is a celebrity memoir. Mm-hmm. We but know he doesn't go of... to Vietnam. Yeah. So it it is nice to have it broken up like that. So I can put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up. And I'm not getting lost in the middle of the jungles mm-hmm. of Taiwan. Yeah, I can just put it down, pick it up, nice. put it down, pick it up. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really okay. excited to keep going. I don't know who I'm going to talk to about the Will Smith biography. Because you keep breaking your book clubs? Because I don't really have people in my life <laughs> that are not really listening care to this. about Will Smith. <laughs> oh, no, that just care about Will Smith. I want to talk to people about it and say, hey, I learned this cool fact. Do you want to learn it too? And they'll say, not really. Say, okay. I'm, I'm I guess sure we'll just Reddit move on or something. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where I'll use the information, but I'm very you, excited to. You can learn tell me more. trivia night. I want it. Okay. I want to know. You, know. you can tell me if I'm ever on a Will us. Smith trivia night. I'm going to know all the answers. You're you gonna kill it. Could happen. I'm gonna kill it. I'm gonna kill it. <laughs> so those are my two biographies that I chose. I went from Lincoln to Will Smith. There you go. Okay. All right, Nia, take us on your journey of biographies, autobiographies. So my first one is a kid's book. It's from the same series that I talked about when we did our Women's History Month. So I was able to use the I was same hoping series. you were going to go back to that. I was really, really um, hoping you were going to. Yeah. So I, I picked I Am Dolly Parton by Brad Meltzer. Just to kind of recap, if you haven't listened to our Women's History book, your history chapter, this is a book in the Ordinary People Change the World series. Depending on your where you look, it's either for three to six-year-olds or five to eight-year-olds. They're what the, the show Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum is based on. It's a show on PBS. So these are really, really kid-relatable books. They're told like the, the person they're talking about is still alive. They're telling the story themselves. And then, Annie, you asked me why Brad Meltzer's names was familiar yes i did he he is a prolific nonfiction author um okay and just a pro he's pretty he's got stuff all over 
he does have six nonfiction books out there that are I, I remember seeing the titles of and just didn't connect that that's the name. He has 27 in the I Am book series that I'm talking about. And he's also written for DC and Dark Horse Comics. Oh. That is prolific. Yeah. So he's got stuff all over in wow. a bunch of different yeah. uh, spheres. So His hand is in a lot of cookie jars. Yeah. So if, if you're wondering why his name is familiar, that's probably why. Okay. So, thank you. But back to this one, I Am Dolly Parton. It is very, very fun. It's a very cute book. Um, here's the cover. This will be on our social media too. Look oh, at how it's fun that so is. cute. I love the butterflies. That's right? really cute. And so the, cute. It, it's almost like a peanut it, style yeah. yeah. dolly. And that's how, that's how they all are. So very Does fun. he do Butterf- the art or is there a different illustrator? Uh, it's Christopher Eliopoulos. Okay. So, but the butterflies are throughout the whole book. You've got, it's got a really good continuing cool. artistic theme. So his illustrator is, yeah. is very, very good. It goes over Dolly Parton's career up to a point. Like it's not the whole thing. Cause this is a very small book. It's a kid's book. We aren't going full in depth here. Um, and she's done a lot. She has done a lot. She's done there, a lot. And she had, she had quite the childhood too. Yes, she, she did. Like she her did. story is rather thick a lot of information so i mean it starts out here i had no idea a lot about i didn't know much about Dolly parton's original like origin story uh i she's from the great smoky mountains of east tennessee i, knew I that. didn't know she was from tennessee yes. knew that she was born at home in their I cabin think i knew that i think i knew that. she's the fourth child of 12 i did know that yep so um and it's they were so poor they paid the doctor in a sack of cornmeal like that's how they paid for her birth like here you go here's cornmeal so best we can do yep yeah so just kind of put like that is where she came from those are her origins so growing up she would hear stories from the bible and that was what started her to really get into reading and learning that there is a world outside of where they live and what there is beyond you know, the Great Smoky Mountains, there is other things in other places. And it, you know, her parents were just very like, we're, you know, we're super poor, we can't do that much and be like, that's okay. You know, we find the joy in things and the beauty in things. And they were super supportive when she wanted to start singing. Yeah, I remember hearing that she had a good childhood, that they were dirt poor, a lot of kids, but she had a good childhood still. Yeah, because they found where the joy was, which... I think that applies to anybody. You can always find where the joy is. And it wasn't always great. I mean, sometimes it was, you feel different. And if you're different, that doesn't always work. Yeah. So. But in a children's um, book, that's good to read. Yeah, it is. That's true. Something that kids need to see and, and understand. Well, so there was a a four TV movie that was made Mm -hmm. about Dolly Parton's childhood that was a dramatization, right? They didn't have Dolly come in, but they did have her as a producer. They did have her as a an executive voice to uh-huh. make sure that they got the story right. But it was the show is called The Code of Many Colors. That's cool. That's pretty fitting for her. And it's about the childhood that led up to they couldn't afford for her to have a new coat. So all of the women in the surrounding area donated scraps of fabric and her mom made a coat out of all, all these scraps. Mm-hmm. And all of the kids were making fun of her for this ridiculous looking coat. 
And so she's all upset and she runs home and she doesn't want to wear her coat anymore. And her mom's like, well, this is this exciting event that this person had. And you get to you get to share joy in that. And this piece over here, this is when this happened to this other person. And you get to share joy in that because you have a part of it on your coat. And she kind of like talked her through finding the joy in all of these different scraps of fabric on her coat. Mm -hmm. And it was what Dolly Parton said was a very formative memory in her life as she grew up so poor and so they they took that story and turned it into a movie but that's cool that is really cool so it's it makes a lot of sense especially when you see how she is i mean you could be a very bitter person growing up the way that she did yeah and you know to know that that isn't what happened is like how that's not how she has become i mean a lot of people talk about she's you know the the hero that we don't deserve she's an amazing philanthropist her and betty white well, you know I was thinking, I mean? as you're talking, I thought, too, that not only is she not bitter, she also hasn't turned her back on it. Right. She hasn't. Like A lot of people and... will turn their backs on where they, at least from a little, for a little bit in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, mm-hmm. and then eventually Never come did. back. But I feel yeah. like she has always gone back. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's home. You yeah. Know? And there, there's one particular to kind of go back a little bit about how she there's a an overarching message in here of just it's okay to be different and the the quote from here was it's okay to be different it's okay to feel unseen sometimes the world won't be cheering for you but i will be i love that like that is just and i honestly like, feel that dolly you know, cheers for me she doesn't know me she has no idea who no. i am but i but legitimately I feel like if she did she would be cheering for me oh yeah, yeah. absolutely so one of the big things that she has done i mean she's done amazing things for her career she's just i mean she, she goes out she does what she loves she's living the dream of i do what i love and i make more than enough money to you know care for my needs but she takes it and she puts it into other things and one of the things that she's very well known for is dolly parton's imagination library and i really want to talk about it because we're about books that's what we like 100%. that's what we do so yeah. true it they actually do touch on it a little bit in the book, but it was started in 1995. It's a book gifting program that mails high, free, high quality books to children from birth to age five, regardless of family's income. So as long as it is in your area, you can actually sign up for this and your kids get books delivered in the mail, which is really, really so neat. cool. Get them every year on around their birthday? They get or them every frequent? month. What? Yeah. Clearly this isn't available in my area so and if it isn't in your area there are ways to petition that the the website will walk you through but just know it is it's a really and they're they're packaged really well it's something we just started with our kid and it started the the first book that they send out they actually list on their website is the little engine that could which is the most amazing message to come from dolly parton too like you just you keep going you just keep going so it is international. This is a global thing, which I did not know until recently. I didn't know uh, that either. Yeah. Canada, the UK, Australia, and the Republic of Ireland all have their own Dolly Parton imagination libraries. Wow. So, yep. So cool. if you don't live in the US, but you live in one of those countries, there is an option. So that is my first book, Dolly Parton. We love Dolly Parton. Um, I just checked. It's not available in my area either. Oh, sad. So we need to get a lot more petitioning going on to get it more places. So that is my first one. My second one is actually a YA book. So I did not do adult books this time. I don't know how we've managed to do that and flip from how we've done stuff before. 
that seems out of character. Why, that explains yeah, right? why it sounded familiar to me. I know this book. Why do I know this book? It's because it's a YA book. This is a YBA, YA book. Mm -hmm. um, it is called All Boys Aren't Blue. It is written by George M. Johnson, and it is a self-described memoir manifesto. I love the cover of this book. It's lovely. Oh, that's it's, pretty. It is beautiful. So I think I've seen and, that before. Uh, the back cover says, be bold and brave and queer. So just to give a rough idea of what we are going into here. So All Boys Aren't Blue came out in 2020. So it is a really new book. Yeah. It the author is a very prominent LGBTQIA activist. There it's if you go to their website, you can find all sorts of stuff. Uh their Twitter is super active as well. The chapters are written like mini essays, which is super nice. So similar to your book Annie, if you have to if you only have little bits you can sit down and read, it's okay. There's really nice easy breakpoints. That is so really helpful. You want to keep reading the whole book, but if you have to put it down, you can. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You don't feel like, you know, the world is going to cease until you pick it back up again. <laughs> um, but if you wanted to sit and read through, you absolutely could. And if you're an audio person, it's actually read by George M. Johnson. Oh, cool. Which when I started listening to it, I wondered because you're going, there's more. I mean, you have professional audio book readers who do a phenomenal job, but you can tell when it's the author. You can. And some authors should not read their stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> I, I've read there several are a few, of those. I love the um, book, but no. Yeah. But this book is like, I think it's it's better hearing it in the author's actual voice. I mean, it's the author's voice anyway, because they wrote it. But to actually hear it in their voice is amazing. So if you're an audio person, this is a really good one to do on audio. The narrative style is really captivating. So it's it's chronological just like most biographies are and it's also it's sectioned out so this like or you know it's almost like here's the first act and the second act and okay. you definitely want to read the introduction as well they don't hold back with some of the words that they use mm -hmm. um you hear a lot of slurs you hear and it that was oh. their lived experience uh-huh and they explain why you know it's there and why they refuse to censor it in their own book because that was what they lived so it shouldn't be censored for our comfort if they had to live through it. That makes sense. You know, 100% makes sense. So this one is definitely an introduction you want to read or listen to for sure. If you, so I mentioned earlier, this book came out in 2020. Uh, it has been making waves ever since. So it has. The, I mean, it was almost immediate after it came out when people started getting upset about it. Oh yeah, yeah. it is. As of now, it was. It's been banned in 29 school districts in the U.S. Wow. Um, you know, right? honestly, that was less than yeah. I was expecting. Smaller number than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So not great. Still, still larger yeah. than it should be. Still, oh absolutely, yes, it should be zero. <laughs> but but that doesn't mean that's where it was challenged. Those are just the successful bans. Mm. So I'm sure the challenge list is much, much higher. Oh, I'm sure that's it is. just it's just 29 where it has actually successfully been banned. Um, it was in the top three banned books of 2021. We don't wow. have the stats for 2022 out yet, but I suspect it'll probably be in the top two when those come out. I... They should be coming out sometime in April, yeah. mid to late April, but we don't have those yet. But just just to 
an inkling, I suspect that's probably what's going to happen is it'll be in at least in the top two, if not the top three again. Yikes. But it has been listed for so many awards too, which just makes it like extra frustrating that people are fighting so much against it. Um, it's had it's been a New York Times and indie bestseller. It was Amazon's best book of the year. It was the CNN summer read pick. It was recommended in Teen Vogue and BuzzFeed and the best book of 2020 from the New York Library and the Chicago Public Library. Wow. Um, so it got more than... were high. As you were going through that list, I thought, okay, those are all... They're great. Don't get me wrong. They're great. But those are all social things. Mm -hmm. And then when you start saying the New York Public Library, the Chicago Public Library, like it... This book went beyond the buzz places oh for and sure won awards um, from other places also it's on publisher weekly's anti-racist list it was wow actually the 2021 it's hard to, it's hard to get into all of those areas when it, it was the 2021 texas topaz nonfiction. it's on the nonfiction reading list for texas too fantastic yay texas yep. and ala's rainbow reading list because absolutely so and I'm sure that list is outdated. Probably. I'm sure that list is outdated. So lots and lots and lots of awards and bands. lots and lots of challenges <laughs> and bands. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, but it's to read it, it's very relatable. Even though I don't live a queer experience, I have not lived a Black African American experience. But there are still points in here where you're like, I relate to that. There's a, a point where they talk about how they're very uncomfortable with smiling with their teeth showing and why. I'm not going to get into why you have to read the book why. Mm -hmm. But that related to me a lot. Absolutely a lot. It still relates to me. So to read that kind of moment where you go, oh yeah, I mean, intellectually, we all know we aren't that different, but to have that moment in that book where you go, I get uh, that. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're different, but we're all the same, you know? And we the have more we can be reminded feelings. of that, the better yeah yeah so it it's a very it's a very very good book it's a very pretty book on top of that um so this is one of those you should definitely pick it up because of the cover but you will be very well rewarded by what's in the pages too awesome so and if you want to be a little activist definitely pick this up and read it yeah so, yeah that is that is my second book sydney what about you? you i am not one to go out and pick up autobiographies or biographies on the regular it's not a genre i usually pick but i have been drawn to a lot of memoirs lately and 2023 is the first time i've ever come into looking at memoirs going oh that looks really fascinating i want to know their experience i've never i've never been that kind of person welcome so to the dark side Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing place. <laughs> the cookies are so good. Uh, I'm glad I'm here. I have appreciated both of the books that I picked today. They are both memoirs and they both ended up being kind of like love letters in a way. The first book I picked is As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride. It was written by Carrie Elwes with the support of Joe Layden. Carrie Elwes is the narrator for the audiobook. And I 100%, if you're going to, if you're going to read this book, do it with the audiobook. And I'm going to say the same thing for my second book as well. The audiobook made this story so much better because it has inserts 
from other actors that relate to the story that he's telling in that chapter. And in the audiobook, they jump to that person telling that part of the story. So oh, all nice. of a sudden you hear Billy Crystal's voice, you hear Rob Reiner's voice, you That's hear cool. like it's uh Carol Kane has some sections that she speaks. Chris Sarandon jumps in. Like all of the actors They brought in everybody. Everybody that they could. We, like right. obviously they couldn't bring in everybody. No, but, but they brought I, by everyone I mean they brought even some smaller characters in. Yeah. They they brought in Prince Humperdinck and let him tell his parts of the story. Like, oh wow, that's a big deal. That is a big to deal. Me. It probably makes it just. It, I can see that being way more enjoyable. I loved it. I genuinely thought that it was one of the best audiobooks, one of the best stories that I've gotten to hear. It starts out by talking about the process by which he got the role of Wesley. Okay, which was a little non-traditional he didn't go audition for the part he had been seen in a movie that he had done with helena bonham carter and they were like he looks like he should be wesley so they actually flew out to go meet him on set while he was filming another movie to interview him and have him audition for the role while he was on set for a different movie but he almost he almost lost out on that part because he was filming 800 miles from where Chernobyl had just exploded because it was 1986. And as we remember oh. in 1986, Chernobyl went boom. Mm-hmm. And oh. he was 800 miles from the epicenter. And everyone was worried about what's going to happen. They didn't, no one had at that point really ever looked into, you know, how far away do you need to be to be safe? What yes. are the consequences of being too close to this fallout what are you know what are all of these natural consequences of this actually going to be and so he keeps talking about how everyone on his set in the film that he was in the middle of kept saying we're far away it's fine the wind is blowing the other direction that, that was would their be response weird. that was their response to everything oh the wind's blowing It'll the other fine. direction you're fine <laughs> Oh, wait, but, how did we know something went wrong? Oh, it was another country. Hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but Rob Reiner and the casting director almost didn't fly out to meet him. Yeah. Because they were worried. And so he almost didn't get the part. Which he didn't even know was, you know, potentially his in the right. first place. But he, when oh, he got the wild. call from his mm-hmm. agent that said, you know, we're going to we're gonna have you meet with these people. They want to they talk to you about auditioning for the role of wesley he had read princess bride he was familiar he loved the book oh and was like um yes this would be amazing i loved this book how who doesn't want to be a swashbuckling pirate like yes this is incredible and so he was super excited his family who had read the book was super excited Uh, his grandfather was the 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 big person in his life that was the most excited because he's the one that gave him the book Mm -hmm. he ended up Uh, passing away from kidney failure it is totally fitting Uh, he ended up passing away from kidney failure before the film ever finished Mm -hmm. so he never got to see it but he did go see him in the hospital and tell him about the the filming process and how things were and what it looked like and the sound stages and everything the very first scene that got filmed was wesley and buttercup in the swamp with the (laughs) ROUSs. nice very first scene that gets filmed they show up on the first day of filming 
And they're like, all right, so these flames are going to come out and you're going to hear this pop right before so that you know where these come out. We were, they like, they walked him through the soundstage. It's going to pop out here and then it's going to pop out here and then it's going to pop out here. And then on this one, her dress is going to catch on fire and then you're going to put it out. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. Can we get some more? Can, we, can I get some more training? What do you mean? I'm just going to put it out. And they're like, well, we had a, a special you know, flame retardant dress made. So you just have to put it out fast enough that it doesn't travel up the dress. <laughs> He's like, oh gosh. no pressure. And Robin Wright's looking at him. Person. Right. Robin Wright's just looking at him like, you're going to put it out, right? <laughs> you got me, right? You, you got you me. You got this, right? So that yeah. awkward, uncomfortable, what is going on feeling 100%. is real. 100%. And why they're so awkward with each other because they hadn't really worked together before. Because this oh, is the very true. first scene that was filmed in the show. Because it is awkward. Oh, it's an wow. awkward scene. It yeah. is. You can feel yeah. it. That there's something a little Like they're little like, testing the waters. And yeah, yeah. and that's why. Which still so works perfect. with the story. It works fine. He had, him and Mandy Patinkin, who plays Inigo Montoya, had been rehearsing sword fighting sequence for their greatest sword fight of all time Mm -hmm. which is what was written in all caps in the script (laughs) (laughs) you know here proceeds the greatest sword fight of all time all caps Uh two underlines like it was they were told like you have to make this the biggest thing ever and then rob reiner says oh by the way while you're rehearsing with these sword fighting masters i need you guys to know you're not going to have any stunt doubles because i want the sword fight to be entirely you two and they're both like what (laughs) It's not how Hollywood works. So they rehearsed for months and months and months. It was actually the last thing that they filmed. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being great because do you remember, Nia, when you picked The Princess Bride as one of your books for a previous chapter and I was telling the story of how he broke his foot? Uh-huh. It was actually his toe. He broke his left toe. His oh, left okay. big his left big toe. Which is and kind of important. It is super important. And it's uh it actually happened right before they started filming the first scenes. So as he's hobbling through the swamp, the fire swamp, mm-hmm. and he's hobbling, and it's because he had broken his toe that day, and they were like <laughs> trying to get him at the fire swamp. But that whole story, that whole it, the whole thing is so well told. It's told with such a fun, nostalgic feel to it, mm-hmm. and that whole thing is in chapter ten. So when you guys get to the book, chapter ten is where you get to hear about his story of riding andre's motorbike that he should never have been sitting on no (laughs) and breaking his toe Uh, but i said that this feels kind of like a love letter Mm -hmm. the whole thing walks you through from him getting the part all the way up through the premieres and everything that goes through with that so it's it's the whole making of the movie and he talks about all of the really important scenes and he references different lines in it and he he definitely does a throwback to all of those things but he talks about every person in the book that he as is referencing through the different scenes that he's in or he interacts with behind the scenes with such reverence. He has no bad words to say about anyone. He talks about the joy that was on the filming stage and how everyone enjoyed the whole sequence and how great everyone was. And every time he talks about a different person that was in the cast, like Wallace Shaw, he's the guy that played the Sicilian. Inconceivable! Nice. Right? Okay. He talks about, you know, as he interacted with Wallace Shaw, and he has nothing but nice things to say about him. And he talks about Andre the Giant and all of these different stories that have to do with Andre. 
and he has nothing but these incredibly nice things to say about him and then he talks about rob reiner and he has nothing but nice things to say about him like the whole book just reads like a love letter to the experience of getting to be a part of princess bride well as you're talking i thought that might be why this movie continues in popularity Right, because you can because, feel how yeah, just magical everyone it was. wanted to be there, and, and every time they do the experience, every time they do interviews, every time I read articles about it, every time I see you know a Reddit list or anything, it's always positive things. Yeah, yeah, and that's what what's feel? keeping the I hype mean, going is that yeah. you want to see that. Everybody wants to see that again and again and again and again and again. And they they talked about how they had no idea it was going to become the movie it was going to become they all were very excited about being part of it because they liked the book and the author william goldman that wrote the book also wrote the script and that's why i didn't why... know that yes i thought that was that's a really great. fun factoid to learn yeah. but he had it was his favorite thing he had ever written and it was his baby and he actually was on set a lot more than he normally would have been or any a author lot of pressure normally would that have is been. a lot of pressure yeah Wow. But he, he was so nervous because this was the favorite thing he'd ever produced. But to have a cast and that enjoyed the book. Yeah, you have the, the cast fans that, of that the wanted book. to be there. They loved what they were doing. They were probably geeking out as much as he was. I think they were, honestly. For them to and meet then, him and for him mm-hmm. to meet them, it was probably the same amount of feelings. They all talked about how the movie was going to flop because the company, like, I think it was Fox or maybe it was Paramount or I don't remember. Had no idea how to market it. Is it an action adventure? Is it a love story? Is it a children's show? Like they didn't know Which how I to have, market I, it. I, I and they actually, that when I was trying to put our stuff together for it, I was like, "What kind of book is this?" <laughs> yeah how How do you classify this? Yeah. And the the marketing company got it wrong. They had the poster not with Wesley and Buttercup and Prince Humperdinck, not with Andre the Giant, not with the Sicilian. No, what no. What did they do? Fezzik wasn't there. Inigo Montoya wasn't there. Like, was it a all horse? of these? Just a was, random horse? It was the the boy and his grandfather. That was the cover for the original what? movie poster. No, I'm That's not weird. kidding you. That's weird. I'm not kidding you. So of course the movie flopped. Of course it, it did. did. I wouldn't go see that movie because it wasn't that people didn't enjoy it when they went to the show. They just couldn't get a lot of people to go because it was yeah. marketed poorly. But if then I saw VHS that poster, came I have out. No interest in it. Hundred percent. No one would. No one wants to go see Fred Savage and an old dude. No, like, that's that's not something that's going to attract anyone's attention. But suddenly you get the VHS tape coming out, and people are not only buying it, but they're gifting it to other people for Christmas. And sales start going through the roof, and then things keep getting better, and then things don't slow down, and then the DVD player comes out, and everyone wants it on DVD, and so sales start going through the roof again, and. It just has become almost a, a, cult. a cult of personality. You know what I mean? It's a cult classic. It is a cult classic. So anyway, the book itself is really fun and well-written and it's chronological in how it tells the story and it gives time and space to each of the different people that he interacted with throughout the movie process. It's a really well-done book. I liked it. I recommend it. It came out in 2014, which sh- it surprised me. I thought it came out more recently. I didn't realize it Yeah. Had- come out so long ago it's been a minute okay yeah i didn't realize it was nine years old but i'm happy that i read it now and i would recommend it to everyone my second book is super super recent it came out in october of 2022 so that was yesterday 
No, it wasn't. That was like six months ago. <laughs> it came out less than a, it, it came out, you know, a few months ago. It came out less than a year ago. And it's called Beyond the Wand, The Magic and Mayhem of Growing Up a Wizard. And it's by Tom Felton. Oh, that's who, fun. As you know, played Draco Malfoy in the Harry Or if Potter you didn't, films. now you know. Oh, see, I did not know that. Okay. And it is not co-written. It is just written by Tom Felton. Look at him okay. spreading his his wings wands and wings and all the his things. his broomstick. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I loved this book. It starts out with him talking about how he got in trouble for trying to shoplift at a store between the first and second <laughs> Harry Potter films. Oh, because his friends <laughs> dared him to try to steal a porno oh DVD. Oh my gosh! Of course. And how that's old was he like twelve? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Really? I was thinking yeah. more like 14, but still. No, he was he was cast when he was 11. So yeah. Oh my goodness cool. gracious. Uh, but it was it wasn't because it was important. It was just because it was taboo, you know what I mean? And right. his friends were daring him and he was trying right. to fit in and trying to be normal. And he talks about how uh my mom doesn't even know the story. Sorry mom, and then he tells the story. And that's how the book opens. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I bet his mom already oh. knew. As a mom, I bet she already knew. <laughs> Well, he was the youngest of four boys. Yeah, she knew. And she she was working <laughs> multiple jobs to try to keep them in there, to try to keep them occupied, I would think. She, he said that he was, that she was constantly, like, if he decided he wanted to play the violin, she'd go out and get him a violin. And her dad, his dad would be like, we can't afford a violin, but he wants to learn how to play, you know? And so she was constantly working multiple jobs to fund his creative endeavors. And his three older brothers were teaching him all of the ways to be a boy. And the story goes through him telling his early childhood and introducing you to the different members of his family and why they were important in his life growing up. And then it talks about how he got into acting and when he started auditioning. I didn't realize he was in The Borrowers. He's in the movie The Borrowers. He's also... (laughs) I had no idea. He's also Jodie Foster's son in Anna and the King. Or uh, The King and I. Oh. oh, to be fair, yeah. I don't really remember either of those movies. I I know I saw them. It's I know I saw them. Time since yep. I've seen the bar. It's been <laughs> it's been a super hot minute. But yep. anyway, so I didn't realize that he had acting credits before Harry Potter. I thought he was brand new, so that was fun to learn. And then he talked about the interview process and the auditions and how he was kind of he called himself cheeky, mm-hmm. which I think is a fun term to describe an 11 year old boy but it's that indifference and just whatever attitude that actually got him cast as draco okay and that makes sense so he uh he tells the story of different things that happened during during the set he talks about the different actors that he got to work with and what he learned from them again this feels kind of like a love letter because he had nothing but nice things to say about everyone he ends the book sorry go ahead he had the fact that yeah. people were nice to him, even though he's an absolute snit in the actual film, is yeah. saying something, you know? Well, um, every time I to... read about these, again, I yeah. only see positive things. I really see that those actors, the adults, loved, yeah. loved those kids and treated them like kids Yeah, when they were offset and did the weird pranks and things with them. Yeah, they they made it a fun environment for them. He talked about how Chris Columbus had this laissez-faire style for directing, but he knew exactly what he needed to say or do to get the kids to create the world that he needed. 
So when they walk into the great hall at, in the film, the first film where they're walking in and the candles are floating and there's this night sky and everything, mm-hmm. he wouldn't let anyone in on the set after it was built. So that when the kids walked in, it was their very first time seeing it so that those reactions were genuine. Things like that. Oh, wow. Okay. So this book, listen to it on audio. Tom Felton reads it. He puts the tone and the personality that you need to hear for those stories to feel genuine and sincere into his voice as he reads it. And that, and he, some of the times when he's telling a story and he laughs, it just, it makes it better. But one of the things that I love about this book is that all of the chapters have two titles. So uh, the first chapter is called undesirable number one, or Draco's first scrape with the law in which an embarrassing teenage episode highlights the difficulty of balancing an ordinary childhood with life on the big screen. Chapter two, so my muggle what? family or the rent of the pack in which Tom introduces right. us to his family. Like it's this or this, the second title. That's like, cute. And whimsy or about... formal. Yes. Right. Well, and, <laughs> and it's he, my he wizarding world and how it is in the actual world because that's what he was doing is he was playing those two parts at the same time he was playing a wizard kid and he was a kid yeah and he was a wizard kid but a hollywood kid yeah and he and he was talking about how his family kept him so grounded that he never had to go through a lot of the publicity and ordeals that daniel rupert and emma did as the main Mm -hmm. three he said, you know, as the baddie of the films, people don't go out of their way to, to see you and find you. He goes, so when they do, you're just very nice to them and you show them that you're a human and most of them move on. He goes, what's weird is when you have adults come up and yell at you for being mean to Harry. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? You're an adult. <laughs> you should know better. This you should know this. Fantasy world. That's really cute. But, but he talks about that whole experience that his family, because he came from such a kind, loving family that was so supportive, he never had to see what that side of Draco was like until he got on set and was like, oh, but I have to try to apply myself to this character to find him somehow, so I'll do this. But they kept him so well grounded that he was still going to public school and he was still he was still very grounded when he was not filming. Whereas Daniel, sure. Rupert, and Emma, as the three principals of the show, they didn't have that luxury. They couldn't go to public school. They couldn't go do those things and have that normal life. And so he talks about the relationship that he developed with Emma and how like, he wanted to take her out to go show her Venice Beach. And as soon as they left the house, they were like, this is a terrible mistake because everyone was following them and trying to take pictures of them and just... Him, him seeing how different his life is compared to the others that were in the same films as him. I thought that was really interesting. The book ends fairly recently with him just talking about his struggles with mental health and why it's okay to ask for help mm-hmm. and why it's okay to to deal with these things in a way where you're talking about them and that they don't have to be stigmated and they don't have to be this big faux pas that you can't tell people what you're going through. Because your brain is just like anything else and you have to get treatment when it's sick. So I thought that was a really lovely way to talk about some of the things that he's gone through as an adult, which I will not spoil because some of the things that he's gone through and as an adult gone through as an adult is really important. But anyway, those are my two books. 
Right on. Well, uh, now it's time for our triviality segment. We're each going to share one unique bit of trivia from our research about the topic today, and hopefully we can learn something new to use at Trivia Night. So Annie, what have you got? I did some research on the internet and found out via uh. NPR.com. So this is legit. There is a tower of books in the Ford's Theater Center for Education and Leadership that showcases 7,000 books that were written about Lincoln. Well, isn't that the theater Whoa. where he was shot? Yes. Yes, it is. There is an estimation of 15,000 books that have been written about Abraham Lincoln. Whoa. Which is, is more books, books than any other person in history other than Jesus Christ. And if I go back to the NPR website, it says that this tower of books, just so you understand what, what 7,000 books looks like, it's not the actual books. They're just, you know, aluminum casings with things printed on them. Mm -hmm. But it, the tower measures eight feet around and 34 feet tall. That's bigger than Andre wow. the Giant. That is three and a half stories tall. That's nuts. And that isn't even all of the books that have been written about Lincoln. It's not even half of them. What an Because the estimation Google, is 15,000 books written about Lincoln. That is I so found neat. some good trivia. I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I thought did. that was really cool. And it makes me want to go see it. Yeah, for sure. Put that on my book tour of the United States list. There you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nia, what is your random fact that you're going to share with us today? So I mentioned the Imagination Library that was started by Dolly Parton and it has sent out. So I've got some fun stats around that. And um, one 10 kids gets a book from the Imagination Library, which is super cool. One in 10? Wow. One in 10. And as of right now, the Imagination Library has 2,359,891 kids registered globally. Wow. And has gifted 201,967,000 356 books to those kids that's crazy so and how many of those were, until now and how many of those were the little engine that could uh at least every child gets at least two million <laughs> yep so which that's i really, thought was that so, is a lot though that is a lot it is that's great that's yeah so that that is my my fun fact about the imagination library so what about like you it. sydney so I talked about how William Goldman wrote the book, but he also wrote the script mm -hmm. and that it was his proudest creation that he'd ever done. And so he was really nervous about making sure that things went well. And William Goldman was on set a lot more than most authors are. He ended up ruining some takes because he was so nervous about the, pray about the film doing well that he was praying for it to do well during the scenes that they were filming and the the sound text, like the mics were picking up his prayer. And all of a sudden they're like, do you guys hear something? What's the intention? They're, they're taking off their headphones. <laughs> like, where is that sound coming from? It took, it took him four oh. takes before they realized where that sound was coming from. And it was him hiding behind a, a stage rock, praying with his beads. <laughs> and Rob Reiner was like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? You can't hide like, behind the rock to do that, my dude. He's like, I just, I just, I'm so, I'm, I'm just worried about it doing well. I just, I just need it to go well. And he goes, okay, but when I say quiet on set, like we can hear everything and we're hearing your prayer. Like I, you can't do this right now. And he's oh. like, just, oh, okay. It's, but it had like, 
he ended up ruining takes like multiple times throughout the filming of the show because he was so nervous about things oh but, poor guy anyway. just because we can't see you doesn't mean we can't hear you that's the part yeah. i was laughing at was the hiding behind the rock part Seriously. yeah the hiding behind oh. the rock was my favorite oh yeah well it worked i mean it, it went well and he's still is he still alive i have no idea I think so. I, I don't so. remember seeing a death date on. Yeah, I, when I, I was don't, looking stuff up. I don't. I don't think he's dead. So he's lived long enough to see that it worked. Yeah, he's lived long enough to see that people care about what he created. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So, what are we reading right now or picking up next? What about you, Annie? I am going to continue reading Will when I can, when my kids let me sit down and read for a minute. And then I'm also continuing Magic Lessons, which is book one of the Practical Magic series. Cool. Pretty excited about that. Yeah. And then I'm finishing up. I'm in the last half hour of 1984 on audiobook. I might even be in the last 10 minutes. And I really want to just quit. But I mean, I've got 10 minutes left. So I might as well just keep going. I can do this. It's 10 minutes. You got that far. Right, right. Neil, what are you reading next? Uh, I am still working on Inanna, Lady of the Largest Heart. So that's where nice. most of my focus is and figuring out what else I'm going to pick up next. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Sydney? So I am re-picking up The Shadow of What Was Lost by James Eilington. It's a trilogy that's high fantasy. And I started it a while back and then life happened. As it does. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I put it down and now I don't remember what happened so i have to restart it oh shoot oh that's frustrating i'm sorry i wasn't i wasn't super far into it so it's not like it's the biggest sadness ever but yeah but that's what i'm doing i'm picking that up now okay so yeah well friends thanks for listening to this chapter of the book stack as we sign off we'd like to leave you with some food for thought and we'll see you next time when we discuss our some of our favorite high fantasy books remember you can connect with us on twitter at bookstack trio and follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack. If you've read a book from this stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. For one who reads, there is no limit to the number of lives that may be lived for fiction, biography, and history offer an inexhaustible number of lives in many parts of the world in all periods of time. Louis L'Amour.